I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This week on Underdogs, we check in on the NBA and NHL at the midpoint, and then an NFL bet that happens before the game even begins. The cry goes up both far and near for Underdog. Underdog. Has going on right now. Morrow, up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! By George, the dream is alive. Underdog. And I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. It's the Underdogs back with you. Another week. We get to take a break from football. We're going to talk NBA at the midpoint. We've got a crazy prop bet in mind that has nothing to do with the action on the field. But first, believe it or not, we're going to start with some hockey. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Peter Keating, and our very special guest, an old friend of ours, all the way back from our ESPN The Magazine days. Welcome, Mr. EJ Raddick. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Yeah, how often oh, do we get national superstars uh, on on this show? I'm so <laughs> glad to see you, EJ. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Hey, it's it's totally my pleasure. It's nice to connect with you guys. It's been a good while, but I'm glad to see things are going good, and uh, we're happy to talk a little hockey with you today. EJ, as we head toward the second half of the season, I guess for this show where we look at underdogs and long shots, the question we'd like your opinion most on is. You know, there's some there's some front runners now, pretty well established in the NHL. Some teams we thought would be there, some teams that are surprises. Is there anyone from lower in the pack who you think, based on the underlying metrics or injuries or anything else, would be a really good bet to overtake some of the conference or division leaders right now? Is there anyone hasn't been playing well yet, but could in the second half after the All Star break? Well, I, I think there's a team that was playing well at the start, Peter, and really has fallen off and is really struggling right now, and that's the L.A. Kings. They're, they're hanging on to a playoff spot right now by a thread. And it was a good start. They started their first 11. They won their first 11 road games. So, I mean, that's certainly something significant right there. And they were near the very top of the Pacific Division standings. But it's been a struggle of late. They get the all-star break, I think, to regroup and to uh, recalibrate their circumstance. I like the fact that they are really strong through the middle of their team. They have three really good centers that that line up good. They have Andre Kopitar, they have Philip Deneau, and they have Pierre-Luc Dubois. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's been a struggle so far. He joined the team from Winnipeg in the offseason and signed a longer-term contract. But they have, they have something within their group. When you have three centers like that, you're hard to play against. I think the question will be is can they solidify their goaltending, which is obviously always important. Will they go out and try to get someone between now and the deadline? But if you're looking at teams that are falling back in the pack a little bit or in the middle or, or kind of hanging on to a spot, I like the the look of their team and the fact that they're strong down the middle. They have a pretty good group of defensemen. Their they're goaltending, again, still a little bit of a challenge. But I think they showed at the beginning of the year that in a seven-game series – against any of these teams in the league, they could compete and be really hard to deal with. 
So EJ, just one quick follow-up. Jordan and I have done a lot of work on momentum or the lack thereof. People tend yeah. to think that teams that get quote-unquote hot at the end of the season carry that into the playoffs. It's really not true in baseball yeah. or football. You think it's true in hockey or is playoff hockey fundamentally different? Like do these, do what we're seeing now, if these are kind of integration or growth hiccups, right? I mean, you've got to figure Luke Dubois will figure it out sooner or later, get settled into the new team. Do these things tend to even themselves out or should we really be looking at how teams perform late in the season? I don't think that that late in the season run is all that important in terms of winning the Stanley Cup. It's nice to be playing well, but I think the you know, I'll go to last year. The Edmonton Oilers last year finished the season on a tear. I mean, I think they were somewhere in the neighborhood of like 18-3-1, and one, somewhere in that area. And they looked like a team that was destined to go on and finally win the Stanley Cup. They had lost to the Colorado Avalanche the year before, who had won the Cup that year. It looked like this was going to be the year for the Oilers. And then in the second round against the Vegas Golden Knights, they were derailed. And some of their problems, some of their weaknesses were exposed. I think... When you get into a seven-game series against another, again, a team in the NHL, right, there are so many things that come into play, but your weaknesses can really be pushed to the forefront. And so that's the that's the issue there. I just think that you want to be – the keys for me, Peter, in the playoffs or moving into the playoffs and trying to win the Stanley Cup, how healthy you are and what are your matchups? What, you, what is your path to the Stanley Cup? And – Quick example, in the Central this year, there's three really good teams, Colorado, Dallas, and Winnipeg. The team that finishes first is going to have an easier path because they are not going to have to play one of those other two. One of those, those other two are going to play each other. One will be eliminated. So for me, injuries and health, I mean, or injuries and your path, I think are the really the keys come playoff time. EJ, we like to look at underlying metrics here, Pythagorean records, those sort of things. What a team, <laughs> what a team's record should be rather than what it is. Yeah. Um, so one thing jumps out to us, the Pittsburgh Penguins are fifth in the Metropolitan Division at 51 points, but they've outscored their opponents by 12 goals. The Islanders sitting one point ahead of them have been outscored by 23 goals. The Rangers leading the division have only outscored their opponents by seven more goals than the Penguins have. Is there something there that are the Penguins just underachieving right now? And is this, is, is there regression to the mean coming? Well, I mean, I would say for the Penguins, they're one of these teams that's, that's hard to figure. I mean, they've a lot of the teams in the NHL, Jordan, because of the salary cap where it is and because of the, what we've had out of the pandemic where the, the, they haven't been able to gain a big number advance in the salary cap. So there are teams, most of the teams in the league actually are kind of top heavy. They have their guys that they've paid six or seven or eight guys, and then they're trying to fill from the bottom. So the Pittsburgh Penguins are like that. Like a lot of teams, they rely on older players. Really. In this case, Sidney Crosby is still playing to a very elite level. Is everyone else meeting that standard? Have where are the injuries? Where's the goaltending? Their defense to me is a, is a defense that's, probably built more for a regular season than it is for a playoff run. So, you know, when I look at the Penguins, I think they're kind of where they should be, even though the numbers, you know, the night-to-night numbers in the league where you win by three, you lose by one. The Islanders, for example, they've lost a ton of games in overtime and shootouts, so the margins there are a little bit different. But, you know, for the Penguins, for me, hard to kind of figure out exactly where things are going to fall in the second half just because they have an older group. So the Penguins, that's a, there's are, my pet peeve, Jordan, by the way, just two seconds yeah. that some games count more than others. You're right. These overtime games. There's I agree with you. 
the Islanders are piling on points by losing games in overtime. Yep. It's going to be, it could really affect the playoff standings this year. It always does. It always does. So we like to ask a question in every sport here around this time in the year. We like to look at the odds and find a team that's more than plus 1,000 to win the cup. So if you take the Oilers, the Avalanche, the Bruins, the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Hurricanes off the board, those six, who's your favorite pick of the rest of the league to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, I would say I'd say keep an eye on Winnipeg because that's a team that's gonna. I mean, people are are. I mean, Winnipeg they get lost in the shuffle, right? I mean, Winnipeg's plus really thirteen hundred. By the way, they plus thirteen hundred. They don't talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they have a they have really good goaltending. Um, their group of forwards is strong. Their defense has been good this year. They're well coached. I mean, I I think the Winnipeg Jets. The problem for Winnipeg is they're in that division where if they win the division, it's a big advantage, right? They can let Dallas and Colorado beat each other up in the first round. If they don't, they're in one of those matchups. So I like Winnipeg, Vancouver. I don't know if they were in your original list of six. Had an unbelievable regular season, but my the history I've had with teams like that where they kind of play really well in the regular season is you get to the postseason and it doesn't kind of go as well. So uh, I'll go with Winnipeg to answer the question. Yeah, Sorry for interrupting. Winnipeg plus 1,300. Vancouver All plus right. 1,400. If you're, if you're both are on the board. Uh, Peter, you got, we got time for one more question with EJ before we, we, we get whisked EJ, away. talk to us a little bit about a long shot to even make the playoffs. Talk to us about Ottawa. I am confused by their numbers. Their goaltending, <laughs> their goaltending looks historically bad, but... Shot quality numbers suggest they're not as bad as they look. They they haven't played to the their goal differential. Are they really unlucky, really bad, or both? And could they make a, a late playoff run to get one of those wild card slots? Probably one of pro- maybe the most disappointing team in the league to me this year, just because I thought this team, this was a year they were going to move forward. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, and to a lesser degree, Montreal and the Atlantic Division are all teams that are kind of rebuilding at the same time. Detroit has accelerated the rebuild by adding more veterans to their group. So I think Detroit has moved a little bit forward this year. Buffalo, it's it's there's some struggles there still. I, st- I think, you know, they, they still need a few tweaks or changes. The Ottawa Senators finished the year last year really strong. I thought they were ready to, to move forward this year. They had an ownership change. They've had a general manager change. They've had a coaching change. They had a scandal surrounding a player involved with gambling. And so they've had all kinds of excuses as to why it hasn't gone well. The bottom line, Peter, is this. They can score. They have a lot of great forwards. Their defense, they have some really good names on defense. They haven't figured out how to defend as a team yet. They haven't helped their goalies. And their goalies have underperformed to a certain degree beyond the fact that they don't defend well. I think they will figure it out next season. And moving forward, I think they do have too much talent there. But I think all those things I've told you have given them a number of excuses to struggle. I think they could be a, a team that plays well in the second half, but they are far down the standings right now. And I think this season has kind of gone by the boards. Well, EJ, thank you so much for your time. Um, we look forward to reuniting with you as the Rangers march toward a Stanley Cup in the spring. <laughs> Perhaps we'll do an old Mike and the Mad Dog style live show from the garden where you can join oh, us. And, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Our preseason pick that. was Dallas, right? Jordan, we were, we were I'm, on excuse Dallas me. early. Excuse me, our producer Sarah, you may have known, is a huge Rangers fan, and I'll always so, support Sarah so over we're on you, board so. with the Rangers. All right. <laughs> and on that I'll note, have learned how to pronounce Shostarkin. It'll be there, we go. there you go. Each, thanks go. so much, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. It's great to see you. Underdog, underdog.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Underdog. Underdog. Well, Peter, while hockey's at the All-Star break, the NBA is steamrolling toward its midseason classic. We're already past the halfway point in terms of games. We're getting a real feel for the standings this year, upstart teams. Some have come back to the pack a little bit, like my beloved Orlando Magic. Others, like the Timberwolves and Thunder, continuing to steamroll ahead. I still think we're seeing, we talked about last year, a little bit of a new era, a little bit more of a wide-open NBA, but it's exciting to think about how this is all going to sort itself out over the final couple months of the season and into the playoffs. Well, Jordan, what's interesting to me is that there may never have been a time like this where generational talent, game-changing superstars, guys you can build a championship around. There may be more of them in the league right now than ever, and they're dispersed around lots of different teams, including a lot of small markets, right? There are generational talents, obviously in Denver and Milwaukee, but also possibly developing in Minnesota and Oklahoma City and Indianapolis. However, at the same time, not a lot of those guys are on the block at this trading deadline, right? I mean, am I wrong or am I seeing the same old trade candidates, which are based on teams letting sports writers know they want to get rid of players like D'Angelo Russell and Zach Levine and DeJounte Murray. I feel like I read their, I've been reading their names in trade proposals in the same kinds of stories again and again and again. Do you think there's top shelf, I'm going to build a championship around this guy movement? Well, no, but you don't deadline? see a lot of those guys available at mid-season Anyway, that those that those guys you get in the offseason, you don't yeah, see but a, a lot, lot of, of teams have stockpiled picks, Jordan. A lot of teams have a lot of extra first and second round picks, and I don't think they're going to I don't see a lot of first round picks being expended at the trade deadline, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but, I, It depends on what the quality of the pick is and who you can get. I think if a team, you know, ha, ha, thinks they're close to winning and they can get a guy like Bogdanovich from Detroit, um, they would give up a first round pick in that deal, a lower end first round pick, of course, Um, you know, but what but. but Again, you don't really see a lot of moves for a franchise-altering Giannis type at the trade deadline. Yet that happens draft time, off season. A guy makes a trade demand, like Dame Lillard. You know, it's more like if if a if a 
big time players traded in season it tends to be a little bit more of a like a James Harden complaining. Otherwise, like Pascal Siakam is like the ceiling of what you see for most midseason trades. Okay, okay, exceptions. but let me throw one stat I found unbelievable, which is that at this moment right now, Joel Embiid has more points scored than minutes played. I think the only guy to do that ever in league history is Will Chamberlain. If there's ever a time to break the bank for whatever's necessary to go for it, should the Sixers do that like right now, not wait till the offseason? Sixers now have a worse record than the Knicks. Jordan. No, no, but I mean, you're 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 missing the point. It's not that the Sixers wouldn't push all in for a true superstar. There's no true superstar available. So okay. well, fair you enough. can that's, say that's, yeah. we want to add a great player, but until the Warriors decide that they have a reason to trade Steph Curry or the Bucks decide to trade Giannis or the Nuggets decide to trade Jokic, that that player isn't available. So you are looking at second or third bananas. And yes, should the Sixers be willing to to move some assets to get another player in that starting lineup who can who can take some of the burden off Embiid, who has a very high usage rate? Absolutely. But again, you're at mercy of what's available in the league. And the other thing is you've got these five truly terrible teams. They don't have a lot of assets left that they're willing to trade yeah. or that would actually make a difference. So then you're really at a loss for, you know, okay, who's actually in a position where they're not trying to contend or is looking to dump certain players. And it's not a long list. So then talk about who are a couple of teams that might benefit from some of the players who are on the move. You mentioned the thunder. They're in a really interesting position. They have a lot of picks they probably don't want to take on huge contracts, even though they're in pretty good shape financially, because they're going to have to pay Jalen Williams and Holmgren pretty soon, right? Where, where, where do you where do where do you see them? Look, the thought nobody has Adam more assets. Nobody has more assets than the Thunder, and and if you follow Sam Presti, he is not going to cash those in for just anyone. So they are going to wait till the exact right guy is available, the right fit culturally not everyone is built to come to Oklahoma City and be content he is going to hold on to those he is not going to add like a Zach Levine for the sake of a marginal improvement and by the way they've got plenty of guards anyway so I actually you know I'm not sure this team is I, this team will make their move in season here are they ahead of schedule a hundred percent um but they have found a true superstar I want to hear a wild stat about Shade Gilgis Alexander so um on off plus minus, you know, how how much better a team is when a player is on the court versus off the court. Um, the uh Shea Gilbert Alexander has a differential of of plus 10.8 points per game, okay, for 100 possessions. Every other starter on that team is negative. I've never seen that before. <laughs> he is that's so, amazing. I haven't either. He is so phenomenally impactful. So, yes, they sort of backed into a true legit superstar. And they now have a versatile, different sort of 2020s era big man in homegrown. You mentioned Jalen Williams and Dort. Josh Giddy's not playing so well, but Casey Wallace is coming on. The pieces are there. This team, I think we have to stop doubting it and realize that it can it can truly make it a deep playoff run as constituted. I don't so think who, it's a so championship who, who, team, but who might they get to improve that mix? Like a glue guy, like a Royce, Royce O'Neal, somebody like that? Yeah, they could sure up the bench. They're a team that I think a Bogdanovich could really help, you know, play him at the four some, add some shooting. They do play a lot of small lineups, so he would give them a little more size on the wing. Um, 
you know, that that's the type of piece I could see them adding. They could probably, honestly, they could probably use a bigger physical center to play behind and occasionally with Holmgren. So if a guy like Clint Capella truly becomes available, things like that, I could see one of those types of moves helping them. But I just, you know, I don't, I don't see like a, a massive deadline deal coming their way. What about the Timberwolves? They've been in first place almost all season, completely unusual for that franchise. We we've talked about how given their financial constraints, they really better win now. What could they do to shore up their chances in this this year? Not the rebuild. The rebuild is here. The distinctive playing unit is here. What do they got to add? Uh, full disclosure, first of all, my wife, who has demanded more accountability for our wrong picks on the show, uh, I bet the Timberwolves before the season under 44 and a half wins. So I am getting destroyed there. I did not yeah, see this yeah. coming. I, I, I hope that uh, I, I hope I hope she made some money off our bets on to hope she bet Yannick Sinner to win the Australian Open. I mean, we need some accountability on the good side too. But right. I digress. I digress. Yeah, we have a lot of victory laps to take. By the way, we, yes. we do. You, and right. you nailed that Sinner pick. So, well, you yeah, know, there's a lot of value. But anyway, a lot of value in the sin. Timberwolves. Here's so. Here's something that's fascinating to me. Okay, the question was in this era of pace and space mm-hmm. and teams barely playing one big. Could you feel the competitive, not just a competitive team, but a true contender playing Rudy Gobert with Carl Anthony Towns? Last year, when they were um, on the court together, the Timberwolves were just plus 0.9 points per 100 possessions in the positive, okay? This year together, they're plus nine. Yep. Okay, so they have figured that out. With just Gobert on the court last year, they were plus 0.2 points per 100 possessions. This year, plus 10. So... I think there was a big fear that Gobert, as we saw in the playoffs, was just going to get played off the floor. Well, they've made adjustments. They have the league's best defense. They're figuring out how to use them. Obviously, people are going to be skeptical. And again, when the when playoff games happen and matchups are isolated and teams will again try to play them off. But right now, but it you, seems you, to, to be to working. To be fair, they played Denver pretty well last year. It I mean, seems to and, be working and, and right Gobert's, now. Gobert's resurgence, I actually have hope. That, I mean, that would be right. a hell of a series this year, right? right? Yes, especially, look, we know how much Anthony Edwards has improved. They have some versatile role players. You know, look, if I were looking to continue to improve that team, um, Mike Conley's obviously long in the tooth. I'd like a little more um, oomph at the point guard spot to play next to uh, Anthony Edwards for part of the game. I think they could probably use another shooter as well. It's another team where Bogdanovich would make sense. Obviously, McDaniels is a terrific wing defender, but they could use that that spark maybe either in the starting lineup or off the bench. Um, you know, again, this team is doing it with with defense right now in a time where it's almost impossible to guard anyone. So it's 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 fun to see. And I always talk to you, Peter, about how I like it when teams zig when everyone else yes, is zagging. Yes, yes. So it's fun to see a team that is not playing the way everybody else is and they're the, making it The work. Wolves deserve to be our object of our affection just for their willingness to go their own way with this giant, literally giant experiment. They're a great team to watch. I want to ask you about one other thing, which is I know you think that super, and I mean, it's just what history has shown that superstars are what matter. Oh, I know we're going season. I do want to ask you, what about the team that has gradually built a bunch of hardworking, coachable, I mean, insanely hardworking players. I'm talking about the New York Knicks, Best record in the NBA since trading for uh, Ananobi. Um, are, do they really not have? I mean, why do you like Indiana's trade? 
but not the Knicks trade in terms of. I didn't say term- I didn't like the Knicks trade or in, in terms or of that I liked Indiana's their trade. actual chances. Are they now 30 I, I don't think Indiana has a chance in hell to win a championship. So that's not true. And uh, I love the OG trade. I just don't think it puts them in a class that's necessary to win a championship because but, but, and look, but Jordan, I, does it not matter that Boston is only like five or six deep? Does it not matter no. that they, they might run out of gas? Like it just doesn't matter because no, that's not in the history of the NBA. We've never seen that mattering. The only team that didn't have, I would say was acknowledged as a true all world superstar at the time in, in the last 30 years. I won a championship was the Detroit Pistons. And that right, was a right, incredible right. collection of versatile defensive oriented in a different era. The Wallace's Phillips Prince Hamilton. Okay. Look, Jalen Brunson, I'm tired of arguing about this with people and my neighbors and all the Knicks fans I'm surrounded by. He's a terrific player. He's not in the class of Giannis and Jokic and Embiid in terms of okay. Well, nobody's saying Jalen Brunson's in the class right. of Giannis, but they don't or, have or that player. Peter, we love fun bets on this show, especially the ones that you can't even make in every state. And one of our <laughs> absolute favorites, and the research hole you love to dive into most is the length of the national anthem. When we were preparing to relaunch the show in May, we spent a lot of time on the Kentucky Derby. You nailed that one. Too bad people didn't get to hear. But (laughs) Reba McIntyre will be singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, and you have some thoughts there on a prop that exists in a few states, sadly not New York, where I'm based. Yes, well, ladies and gentlemen, the over-under on Reba McIntyre's national anthem is now at 89.5 seconds. You can go back to 1974 when Reba McIntyre was discovered as a teenager singing at the national finals rodeo. Okay. And you can look at. Did, were other... you at that rodeo, Peter? <laughs> I was, I was one of the stable hands at that rodeo and, and also at the 1978 rodeo where she performed. I did not make it to the 1997 world series where she performed at game three or actually to the uh, celebrity of hope charity softball game in 2017, which is also available on YouTube. But Jordan, ladies and gentlemen, she's never taken 89 seconds or an 89 and a half seconds to sing the national anthem. She usually clocks in in the upper 70s. Reba McIntyre, in addition to being a national treasure, is a pros pro. She's not going to get rattled or string this out or take a long time. She's also very direct as a singer. She does not extend the word, for example, brave at the end of the national anthem. I don't think she's going to go longer than normal. For her, and a normal for her, is considerably under 89.5 seconds. You don't think she's going to milk the moment at all? This is a slightly bigger audience than the National Rodeo something or others. I think if you watch Reba McIntyre, she milks the moment by saying hello to everybody at the beginning and getting her applause and the introduction. She doesn't actually use the song uh, for extra publicity for herself. So is this a, a stone-cold Keating lock? Get under what <laughs> you would say 89 well, and a half seconds. Well, I'm the guy who expected the Ravens to be in this game and win it. So, you know, you always have to have a little grain of salt. But um, I'm thinking Reba's straight on gonna do it. Yeah. Did you hear that? That do was it. more accountability for bad pecks, according to our, our harshest critic. Um, all right. Well, well, we're gonna be back next week with a special prop laden episode as we look ahead to the Super Bowl. We're gonna have fun, crazy props, also just normal in-game. Props. So you're not going to want to miss that because even if you are one of the people that for some reason hates both of these teams, you can give yourself something to root for, whether it's Brock Purdy's passing yards or the color of the Gatorade. Right, Peter? Yeah, I, I also want to point out Reba's the song you should be betting on. Don't bet on other music. The Grammys coming up completely unpredictable. Taylor Swift's not going to sweep these Grammys. I'll tell you that much. 
but we we don't know we don't know we don't know how to figure out who's going to win the Grammys. So bet on Ms. McIntyre. And, and in the meantime, if you have a prop that you want us to address on the show, hit us up on Twitter at Jordan Brenner at Peter Keating NJ, uh, and we will take your thoughts under advisement as we prepare next week's super special show. Until then, I'm Jordan. That's Peter. Sarah's our producer. We'll see you next week. <laughs>